as you may have heard or figured out, things are a little different this morning. Um, because we had something unexpected happen to our storage facility. Now we use the extra space storage on Durango and Flamingo, and this week there was a fire again. So this doesn't tell the full story, this is the best we could get with our angle. But you can see the far right hand side of the building burned out. You can see the fire and smoke escaping on that side. Also on the far left, completely burned out. Now this fire went from one end of the building to the other end. What you're seeing is the front of the building. The security guard told Josh this morning that the fire started in the back. So this thing wiped out the second floor. And right now, the reason why we weren't able to get our church fed and all of our typical equipment is because the facility is completely locked down pending the investigation for insurance. We don't know when that's going to end. Can we get a glory to God? But with the help of our church family, we were able to get all of this that you see this morning after 7.30 a.m. So if you were involved in any way in the last minute setup and adjustment to get this going, I would like to ask you to stand. And if you don't, I'm going to point you out. So please go ahead and stand for all of you who have this work. Come on. Come on. I'm looking. I'm looking. Please look around. Give them a hand. Point them out. Service is happening today in a way we didn't expect because all the church family bound it together, we came together, and God used us to do something incredible. And that just means that God is going to do even more incredible things. Amen. So I'm proud of this church. I'm proud of this family. Deeply grateful. Deeply thankful. And we'll figure out what this looks like in the weeks to come. Although we'll be here every Sunday. You don't have to worry about us moving next week. We'll be right here. We'll rent us again if we have to. But know that God is on the move and know that God has gave us as a church family incredible people, incredible relationships, and He wants to do incredible things. Amen. Now we are going to start an incredible new series. And this is all about family life. Family life is designed by God to be intentional and to be a picture for his love to the world. And week by week, we're going to unpack this. So for people like me, if you came from a broken family background, we'll get to discover exactly what God wanted. And if you want a family one day, you have a family like I do, this is ways that we can get better and fall into the line that God designed. And here to start this series today is our lead pastor, Roland Gray. Thank you, Pastor Jeff. Yeah, as you can see, it is quite different. Uh, so if it seems a little jerky today, uh, it is. <laughs> so uh, but thank you again to those who uh, pitched in and helped out and uh, in the 11th hour delivered and made it happen. We were ha having our huddle this morning and I said, you know, this really just, uh, just reminds me of the history of the church and the history of our church. For those of you who have been here from the beginning, uh, you guys know what that looked like. And then I remember when it was just a handful of us uh, trying to make things happen. Uh, there was one particular Sunday where, uh, if you look at the storage, there's a, there's a bay that we park our van in. The van is packed out with all of our equipment. The design is that you just get in, start the van, and you pull out, and everything's in the van. You bring it here, and we set up. Well, that particular weekend, uh, I believe I was driving the van. Um, and I was telling the team that I, I, I could have swore it was me because it sounds like something I would do. Instead of pulling in the van backwards, I was lazy and pulled it in front ways. 
uh, which is not a big problem. I'm thinking we'll just jump in it and back it out. What happened was the battery died. And because it was parked towards the front, the trunk was at the door. We couldn't jump them in. And so uh, and we tried everything, and it just wouldn't work. And so we made a phone call early, early in the morning. For those of you who come and set up early, God bless you. So that we can have church. This is how much we care for you. And so uh, we had about 10 cars in the back of the storage space. And we're loading back seats and trunks with, with equipment. And, uh, and we came here, you know, we get here at a certain time. And by coming late, we had no time to set up. But we got it done and we had church. Uh, and God showed up. And that's just the kind of family that we have. So they love you that much. And they are willing to go the extra mile to allow you to have church and experience what we've already experienced this morning. How many were blessed by the worship? That's without our full sound equipment, without our sub, without all of that. I promise you it sounds better, but when God shows up, you don't need all of that stuff. Amen? And the best uh, thing about uh, great worship are great worshipers. So you guys made the worship what it was this morning, and God was glorified. So, All right, well, we're going to jump right into this series. Um, Pastor Matt has given us a great introduction already. And... Uh, Normally when a pastor comes up and, and preaches, he gives some kind of an illustration that gives you a picture of what the rest of the message is going to be about. And so rather than having a story, I'm kind of going right into the Bible. We're not going to read it. I don't know how much time we're going to have uh, to go through everything. We'll see how far we get. But there's a character in the Old Testament who's name was Jephthah. How many can tell me something about Jephthah? Yeah, not, not many. Not right. We don't hear about him a lot. But what I'm going to tell you today is going to really stick to your mind. So Jephthah was this, was this gangbanger guy. And so he, you know, um, his dad was, uh, you know, uh, one of those kind of guys. He wound up sleeping with a prostitute uh, and they give birth, the prostitute gives birth to Jephthah. They don't know who's the father. But they assume that um, it's Jephthah's father. And so he has these brothers who look at him as illegitimate. And so the brothers kick him out into the street. You know, they say, we don't have nothing to do with you. And so he's out on the street and he becomes this tough guy, right? And so he starts gangbanging. This is a true story. This is real. He's gangbanging. He's throwing up gangs on He's doing the crip walk and everything, right? And so all of a sudden, Israel is fighting with all these other nations. They're after God's people, and they're after their land. And specifically, was this group of people called the Ammonites. And so the Ammonites are going after them, and so Israel is getting whooped from every side because it's just them against all these other nations. Kind of been like that throughout history when you think about it. So what happens is, they say, hey, what about that tough guy Jephthah? You know, that... That, that gangster guy, that, that tough guy. Just, what if he leads us and, and leads us into victory? And so they call him back and he's like, yo, why do you want me now? You know, you kicked me out. And they said, yeah, but you know, you could be one of us if you lead us to victory. So he's like, okay, all right, we'll do it. And so the first thing he does, he goes to the Ammonite king and he says, hey, I'm going to give you a chance. Before I whoop you, tell me why you are fighting us. Why do you want to fight and so the Ammonite king says, well, it's because uh, you took our land. And he says, no, we didn't. God gave us that land. And besides that, that was 300 years ago. 
And so he goes, you know, um, the Ammonite king's like, well, you know, whatever. Uh, I don't like your answer. Let's fight. Let's make war. And so they do. What happens is Jephthah uh, wins. And as he's uh, going to battle, in Judges chapter, I think it's chapter 11, it says that the Spirit of the Lord comes on Jephthah and he makes a vow to God. And he says, if you will deliver the Ammonites into my hand, when I return home, the first thing that comes out of my front door, right, the first thing that comes out to, to meet me, I will dedicate to you and I will sacrifice as a burnt offering. Now, how many of you have a, uh, a pet at home? A puppy, a dog? Um, cats aren't really pets. <laughs> Just saying, because I've not had them. Cats think you are their pets. <laughs> but how many of you have experienced coming home after being out all day, or maybe being on a, a out-of-town trip, and you come home and the dog's all happy to see you, <laughs> right? And so, and I'm thinking maybe this is what Jephthah was thinking. Maybe something, I don't know, but back then they had goats and chickens, so I don't know. Uh, my dog is uh, part Cane Corso. He's a big boy, but Cane Corsos aren't very expressive. So while other dogs will run to you and, you know, run around your legs and, and wag their tail, when I walk in, my dog just stares at you. <laughs> like, where you been? <laughs> you know? And so, but for the rest of you, you know what it's like. And so maybe this is what he was thinking. So he wins the battle, he goes home, and the first thing to run after him is his daughter. His only daughter. This is, this is all in the Bible. And so he, the Bible says he tears his clothes, he's screaming, and he's going, no, my daughter. It's just, you know, everybody's going, what's going on? And he says, I made a vow to the Lord that I must keep, that I can't break. And so everything gets real. And so the daughter understands this vow. And so the daughter says, okay, um, you know, I understand you need to keep this vow, but give me two months. Let me go into the hills and spend time with my, with my, with my girlfriends and, and let, me, let me weep because I will not marry. And a lot of you girls are like, yeah, that makes sense. She'd be sad, right? Well, the Bible says that happens. He goes into the hills for two months and then comes back. Comes back, and here's what it says. She returned to her father, and he did to her as he had vowed to God. And she was a virgin, which is an odd thing to add uh, to that story. And I say this opening illustration not to be heavy, but to explain that in the ancient days, they knew exactly what a vow meant. In those days, your word was as good as anything else. And so while we're going you know, why did you go through with it, right? Because if it were me, I'd have been like, you know, oh my gosh, man, I was kidding. That, you know, that vow. But back then they knew what a vow meant. And so while we're going, why, why did you go through with it? They're going, why did you make the vow? 
You see, it's different. And I say all that to say this as we begin this brand new series, because I think this applies to every week. I don't know if we'll actually bring application in this way. But commitment matters to God. Commitment matters to God. Now, if you're going to be blessed, how many know it's going to take commitment to do that? For, for those of us who follow God, family is different than what the world sees as family. For us, if you are a follower of Christ, family means not just your biological family, but also your spiritual family. So I want you to look around real quick. Go ahead, make somebody feel uncomfortable. You know, he told me to. Yeah, sorry. You guys need to know each other later. But that's what family looks like in God's, in God's kingdom. And so we all have opportunities to give up on things, to give up on people. And we walk away from uncomfortable situations. And we slap off if we're offended or if somebody's not treating us right and we don't return you know, the favor with doing good, we kind of back off. Well, if that's the way you're going to be, then I get it. All right, well, then this is what you get. And so we kind of treat things that way. But I'm here to remind us that God wants us to be committed. He wants us to be committed to things in life. He wants us to be committed to our jobs. And he uh, wants us to be uh, committed to uh, our relationships. And he especially wants us to be committed to our family. Whether that's biological or spiritual. And I was just talking to some people this morning. And I get it. As we uh, get into our series today, there's, we're all in different places. Some of us love our families. And they're wonderful families. We can't wait for them to come around. And then some of us aren't connected to our families. We have maybe some family members who are aloof. And you're not in connection, and that's maybe not necessarily your fault, but that's just the way it is. But God still wants us to be committed. Be committed to your job. Be committed to your church. Be a loyal person. Be someone that, that others can count on. God rewards consistent, faithful, and committed people. How many can say amen to that? Amen. So it may be difficult. You may have a good reason to walk away. I don't know about you. I've had many, many reasons to walk away. And a lot of times I have. And maybe you're thinking that. I have, I have, you don't know what I've been through. I have good reason to step out. But I'm telling you today, I want to encourage you. Stay committed. Stay committed to your friends, to your family, to your children. And especially to your marriages, which is what we're talking about today. And I get it. Not everybody is married. Some of us are single. Uh, some of us are newlyweds. Some of us are divorced. Some are, so we're all in different places. But I promise you, this all applies. This is all God's design. We're going to get into this, and it'll apply uh, to all of us. So we're going to be reading out of Ephesians chapter 5. Everybody smile at me before it gets too heavy. They're like, dude, that was just the first story. Dude, right? But we're going to be reading out of Ephesians chapter 5. You can start to turn there in your Bible or on your device. Or you can simply follow along on the screen. My man Chris Perot 
is on the controls upstairs. He's the only one that's got a semi-normal day. I'm sure everything looks pretty familiar up there, but crispy up there. Crispy, crispy, crispy. He's not soggy, he's not stale, he's crispy clean. He's the man, he's gonna hook you up today. So turn your attention to the screen, Ephesians chapter five, starting in verse 22. And here's what it says, and this is a Crispy's favorite verse. Wives, submit. <laughs> Total setup, that's not it. <laughs> yeah, man, I know, I know, I know, but. And here we are, two words into our main text, and some of y'all are already mad. <laughs> so we're gonna have some fun with this. Ladies, I just want you to know that I had my wife look at my notes. And I told her, feel free to take out anything that you feel like is going to be too hard to hear. So as we close our service today. <laughs> Let's rewind it back. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, his body and is himself its savior. Verse 24, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. In the same way, husbands should love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes and cherishes it just as Christ does the church, because we are members of his body. Therefore, a man shall leave his father and mother and hold fast to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This mystery is profound, and I'm saying that it refers to Christ and the church. There's a hint. It refers to Christ and the church. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Man, it was going to end good, but then they stuck that last verse in there. Sorry, wives. We're going to get into this. Lord, <laughs> Jesus, 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 help me. Lord, as we get into your word, Holy Spirit, Lord, make this word come alive. I pray that this word, uh, when we actually understand it, would bring liberation to us when we see your intention and your design. And we pray this in Jesus' name. We read one of the most uh, misinterpreted scriptures in all of the Bible. And it's misinterpreted. Uh, people will use this verse uh, and take it to a realm in which it is abusive. And that's not what God intended in this verse. So in order for us to properly understand this passage of scripture and for us to be blessed by the scripture, we must understand some things in this scripture. There's a lot here. This is really a series uh, this could be another eight-weeker at least 
we just got off a kind of an eight-week series in, in the book of Acts. It was intended to be a four. We extended it because there was there's so much you could squeeze out of it. And it could be the same with this, but um, and here's what we're gonna start off with. God created marriage to be based on covenant, not feelings and not emotions. So we use love in ways that are less than its real meaning. Uh, we get involved in romantic relationships because of how a person may make us feel. And you know what I'm talking about. For you who are married, think back to the times where you uh, were admiring your now husband or wife and how you had feelings and how you would be fine until she walked by. And then... And girls, you know too, oh my God, he's so cute. He's so cute. And guys are like, oh, she's so fine. Dude, she's fine to get her another, right? You, you remember those feelings, right? And it's funny, we get into relationships based on the way a person makes us feel. But this is so opposite of what God wants us to understand. In Malachi chapter 214, I'll just um, read it to you. The Bible uses this language. It says, God says, uh, she is your wife by covenant. Say covenant. She is your wife by covenant. And in order to understand marriage, we must first understand God's idea of covenant. God uses this word as the foundation of marriage. A covenant is a divinely created relational bond that determines how separate parties should act towards each other. And whenever God wanted to establish something official between him and a person or a group of people in the Bible, he would create something called a covenant. And so he would cover that relationship with the covenant and he would seal it with that covenant. But covenants are kind of like warranties. Just recently, uh, we put one of our cars to death. It was given up the ghost, got rid of it, and we purchased a brand new Car. We really like this car. We like it so much. I'm trying to convince my sister and brother-in-law to buy one just like it. And I got such a good deal on it. I'm like, let me take you back to the guy who sold it to me. He didn't mark it up. No dealer markup. You know, and I'm, we've been pleasantly surprised by this car. It's a hybrid. It's got these electric motors on it. And it's, I mean, you just tap it. You're gone, right? So that's very satisfying for me to have a kind of a fast car. That's a guy thing, I'm sure. Um, and so, but with this car comes a 10-year warranty. It's the best warranty in America. I my Durango that just died on me. It was eight years old. I could have had it fixed, but no warranty. And so what happens in a warranty, a warranty is a guarantee that something is going to work as designed. And so if something goes wrong, the, the company steps in and says, I will back it up. This warranty, I will make good, and this is going to run the way it did when you drove it off the lot. But with this car, there are certain things I could do that won't void the warranty. And so this came in handy just this weekend. How many um, remember all the rain we had the last couple of days? And so I bought these 
wind visors that go over the, the windows. When you roll them down, these visors that kind of stick out. So I can crack my window and the visors still cover. The rain won't come inside. And so I put those on my car as an addition. And those visors will not void my warranty. But if I decide to lift my little tiny SUV and throw some uh, bigger shocks on it, and bigger brakes and bigger tires and all that, and then maybe, you know, take the engine out and tinker with it, you know, soup it up and then put it back in. How many know that's going to avoid the warranty? Because that is something that the uh, dealership did not intend for me to do. And they say, if we're going to cover that, we're going to make sure it works the way when we release it to you. And marriage is kind of the same way. As long as the marriage operates in the way that God designed it, God says, I will put my name on this and it will work. I'll now back it up myself. And so even if something kind of goes wrong, if we give God a chance, that's what we're talking about today. We're talking about staying committed to certain things. And again, I, I get it. Some of us, God bless you. It's God, God bless you. Um, and so, but some, you know, uh, and some of us, uh, again, are in different stages of, of relationship. And some of us might be hanging on for dear life. And, and I know a lot of people who are there, and, and we were um, just in our worship. Pastor Matt said, you know what, it doesn't matter what we're going through. You stay committed and you give God a chance and he can do miracles. And so I get it, your heart may not be there. But it's a covenant. When you operate within the parameters of God's design, the covenant guarantees that it will make it. And in this case, a covenant is between us and God. But here's the difference between a contract and a covenant. When I went to buy my vehicle, I didn't go sign a covenant with a vehicle. Because a covenant requires relationship. And there's the difference. You can have a contract without a relationship. But you can't have a covenant unless there is a, a relationship. And so what happens is God has designed something that he wants to be involved in. He wants to be involved. Covenant is a divine guarantee because a covenant is a divinely created bond between him and a person and God stands behind the product as long as it's operating the way it was designed. Ephesians 5, 1 and 2 says this, Therefore be imitators of God as beloved children and walk in love as Christ loved us and gave himself covenant. That is God putting his personal name on this institution that he created. Also, God designed marriage with structure and roles. With structure and roles. 1 Corinthians 11.3 says, I want you to understand that the head of every man 
is Christ. So start to remove the, where we're zoning in on the, on the marriage and start to zone in on Christ. This is the direction we're going because God designed it to be a certain way. The head of every man is Christ, the head of a wife is her husband, and the head of Christ is God, and it goes back. And so sandwiched in between, again, is, is a picture of what marriage is to, be, is to look like. Now, obviously, men and women are wired differently. How many have discovered that the hard way? Wired just a little bit, a little bit different. My, my feet don't get cold at night. They just, they just feet on mine. They say even down to the capillaries and the blood, blood it's just different. And so I want to distinguish between equality and function because all of us are equal in essence. We all exist we're all created in God's image, and we are all, in essence, we are equal. Agree? But it doesn't mean that we are the same in function. This is where it starts to separate a little bit. And let's use God and the Godhead, the Trinity, as an example. And then uh, I'm going to touch on this. We may come back around to it. But you got God the Father, Jesus the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and they make up what we call the Godhead. Right? They are equal in essence, but they differ in their function. You got God the Father, you got God the Son, and you got uh, the Holy Spirit. All are the Godhead. It's like three holes in a pretzel. You got three holes, but they're all tied together by one piece of dough. Okay? In essence, they are the same, but they differ. They differ. And so although we're all created in God's image, and we're equal in that way, our functions differ. For those who work, you can see this in your employment. There is an owner, typically. There is a CEO. And then there are different levels of management. And then you have uh, just your general personnel who really, you know, make the company work, right? And so if everyone is a CEO, then nothing gets done. Nothing gets done. And if everybody is a, just a general worker, then there's just chaos. And it could be even worse. If there's no CEO, there's no direction. If there's no owner, there's no business, period. No one's getting paid. And so each one of those roles are an essential part to success. Unless there's a chain of command, then it's a chaotic free-for-all, and there is no progress. The purpose of this chain of command is to fulfill the, order, the orders of the owner. And the reality is when you own something, you do what you want with it. You can't come into my house or my car and tell me what I can bring into it. Make sense? There are certain privileges that we get as owners. We call the shots. 
And so because God owns marriage, he calls the shots. He's the owner of everything, not just marriage. Marriage is just included. It says he rules the earth. He, he owns the earth. Everything thereof, it belongs to him. And so God knows what he wants and how he wants his world to be run. So he designed institutions to carry out his purpose. Now, let's go back to roles real quick. Within the structure of marriage, there are roles, is what we said. Now, I'm going to go back to this. I'm going to risk um, reading this again. Lord, I pray nothing gets thrown at me. Uh, verse 22 of chapter 5. Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. His body and head, uh, is himself its savior. Now, also, wives should submit in everything to their husbands. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Uh, and then verse 33. This is the way it ends. However, let each one of you love his wife as himself and let the wife see that she respects her husband. Now, notice... That there's nothing in the Bible that says a man is to take the trash out and pull the weeds and bathe the dog. Nowhere does it say the woman is to be in the kitchen cooking, washing dishes, getting slippers for when I come home. It's, none of that is in there. And all the women said... The Bible simply uses two distinct words. Two distinct words. One word for each spouse. For the woman, he says, submit. Submit. Don't worry, we're going to get into this. I'm not going to leave you hanging like that. And for the man, he says, love. Love your wife. So, let's go here first. God has made a man and a woman. We just said they were distinctly different. Why are different? Do they have different needs? Why did he zone in on these two words? It's because our roles while we're getting offended by one, we need to realize that this is self-fulfilling for each other. So it's not really about what you have to do. It's about what you will do if God tells you to is designed to fulfill each other. We'll go a little bit deeper. It doesn't say for the wife to love her husband. Why is that? It's because a man's main, most important need is not love. We don't walk around wanting to be loved. We just, that's not us. Our main need as men, and this still might make you mad, but give me a chance to explain. But our main need is reverence or respect. Thank you, I need a little help. Yeah. If I can get one more women to say amen, that's when I know I'm preaching. But we, our biggest need is reverence. And so a man will go to great lengths to gain reverence and respect. 
And they say this about men and women. Men will give love to gain physical affection. And women will give physical affection to get love. And that's kind of a distorted view of what this is really supposed to look like. When a man brags, and we have been around men, and we, you know, before we were saved, before you were saved, maybe you were around your friends, and men, men tend to tell stories even though most of them are true. But what he's trying to do is gain reverence. And he's trying to earn points with his buddies for respect. Because they want to be reverenced. Women, you may have male bosses. Anybody have male bosses? Anybody have a male boss that you really don't like, but you still respect them? And here is the hard part with some men. Man, I'm not used to this. And that's that some wives, and I'm not just saying here, I'm saying all over the world, will go to work and go out into the world and will res show respect to, to somebody who's in an, a, a position higher than them and then come home and not respect their husband. You know, you might not like the police officer, but how many of you better respect him? It's funny, I see these YouTube videos and they're like, well, I know my rights, you know, I don't have to do it. I'm like, bruh, just, just wanna, you know what I'm saying? Just these crazy people. And how many know you may not like the judge? But if you're in a courtroom, how many of you better show some respect or else you'll be held in contempt? Submit when you break it down. If you just take the word submission, and it's simply this. Sub means to willfully put yourself under. But if you take sub and you sub yourself under the mission God has a mission with our relationships and with our marriages. In a busy and confused world, there's one place where a husband should be able to go where he is known, where he is respected, where there is no confusion as to who runs that mini kingdom, I guess, for lack of better words. And that's the home. Submission doesn't mean to be a doormat. Submission doesn't mean to be ruled over. Submission does not mean to, you better listen and be forced. And that's not what submission is, and that's not God's design. So let's not even approach, the, begin to approach the scripture that way. And it's funny, I was talking with, this was like a year ago, and I was talking with some friends and we were talking about ways in which, uh, and this came from my friend's wife, and he said, you know, one of the greatest ways that women disrespect their husbands is with what they say and how they say it. And I was like, you preach, girl. And so God says that life and death are in the tongue. And the way things are spoken 
really honor um, somebody else. And here's the thing, is we have no problem honoring certain people. But it's like this relationship that we chose to get into and now we don't want to do the way it was designed. Let's, now let's pick on the men. Let me ask you this quick question. How many here, just be honest, love sushi? All right, yeah, that's what I'm saying. How many here love pizza? Okay, all right. How many here love stir-fried vegetables and tofu? Oh, okay, better response than I thought. Of course, my sister's in there. That was a setup, because I love my vegans. I love my vegans. And so how many know that's not the same kind of love that God is requiring in this relationship? So in the Bible, there are three kinds of love. One is eros. It's a physical, it's a sexual fulfillment. It's where we get the word erotic. It's physical. It's, it, it requires that you receive that. It's kind of selfish. And then there's phileo. This is kind of a friendship kind of love. Right? And so, uh, again, this kind of love is about what you can do for me. And because of that, we can be friends. And when it doesn't go right, then, oh man, we're not going to really hang out as much anymore. So th these two kind of loves, is, it, it's, it's where you're receiving something. But the love that God is talking about here when he says, husbands love your wives, it's a different kind of love. It's the greatest form of love, and that's agape. How many have heard this before? It's agape. Now, agape is unique in this. Unlike eros and unlike phileo, this kind of love has nothing to do with receiving anything from the other person. Matter of fact, it's sacrificial. It gives even when nothing comes back. And this is the kind of love that the Bible uh, tells us to love our wives, husbands, Women, you can elbow now. It means taking the initiative on someone else's behalf for the betterment of the other, even at your own expense. Even if you're the only one who spent and you did not receive. Instead of you getting something, it means giving love unconditionally, even if you get nothing in return. Ouch. So when the Bible says husbands love your wives, it's saying to agape your wife. Even when your wife doesn't eros and your friends don't phileo, <laughs> you agape. Because that's where most of our problems come, man, when we don't get that stuff anyway. Romans 5.8, I'm going to bring this home. Uh, if I can get uh, on the keyboard. Again, taking the picture off of the marriage covenant, off of the marriage relationship, and, and looking at the Godhead. Romans 5 8 says, For God demonstrated his love, agape. For us, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. It says, while we were sinners. Do you realize how much God hates sin? He hates it. 
And it says, yet while we were doing what he hates, he looked out into the world and said, this is so bad. I have to do something about it. He didn't say, oh, they're terrible. That's, they're the worst. Forget them. He didn't say that. While we were at our worst, while you and I were doing the worst, he died for us. Agape. This is the kind of love husbands were to give our wives. This is the kind of love you single men, before you say I do, you better consider this. This is what it's talking about. This is the kind of love that we're to show. He saw our sin. And because he loved us so much, he demonstrated. You see, agape love requires demonstration. To say you love God is not enough because the Bible says, and again, it's used, uh, uh, it says, um, if, you, uh, if you love me, you will obey me. You will agape me. So for the person who says, but I love God and you're not obeying him, can I just be politely honest? It's inaccurate. It's inaccurate. To say that we agape God means you're going to demonstrate not just lip service. And so what we need to realize is that God has designed this marriage relationship really to be a mirror of what we see in heaven. The this idea of marriage, which was birthed by God and created by God, is uh, what we call transcendent, meaning it's not from us, it's not from our world, it's come down where it originated, originated from, from God, to earth here for us, which means because it belongs to him and it originated with him, no man can touch it and turn into what he thinks it should be. It's a holy thing. It's the first institution in the family. And there's a hierarchy. God has us in position. When we go and we obey our boss, we're not obeying them because they earned it. We're, we're honoring the position. And so what we have here is not God forcing somebody over you. He's just saying, if this is going to work the way I designed it, then there are going to be positions. Now, I'm just thinking about this now, but women, if imagine this. You told your kids, hey, I want you to go clean your room. And one of your kids said, I don't care what you say. I'm not going to do it. So, uh, wives, what would you say? You'd be like, what is it? by position. The kids listen, kids in here, you listen to your parents out of position. That's the way God has designed it. Has nothing to do with, well, I don't want nobody over me or ruling over me. It has nothing to do with that, but yet we make it that. And God is saying, no, if you would see the way that I designed it and work it, I promise you, 
not only is it going to be a blessing to you, but it's going to be a blessing to the world. God has designed the marriage to be a mirror of his kingdom. And if we do it right, the world sees something that nothing else can show. If our marriages are healthy, if our marriages are healthy, and I just want to encourage us in this. And I know that, again, it's, it's, it's different, different experiences and different places in our lives. But I want to encourage us. If God is in your heart and God is doing something in you, to be committed to the relationships that you're in, whether it's a marriage relationship or whether it's a friendship, you know, whether it's, I mean, I don't know, something in your family, I just, I want to encourage you to hang tough, to stay there because there is a blessing that comes with staying committed. Bow your heads, I'm going to stop it right there. Thank you, Lord. Father, I just pray that, Lord, after everything that was said today, well, we know that this is a, a scripture that's not, that doesn't always make it on the top ten. It's not always the most popular. But, Lord, you created the institution of family, and you created positions in that family. And, Lord, the way that you are God over us, Lord, we honor you because of that. Not because of what you do or don't do, just because of who you are. Lord, I pray that we would honor the institutions that you create and that you've set up. So in this area of marriage, Lord, whether we're in a marriage now or whether we're eventually going to be in a marriage or we're considering or maybe we're coming out of one, but Lord, as those who know you, may we be able to interpret this scripture accurately. It's not an overbearing submission. It's not a, a unreal kind of love. Give us grace, Father, to love our wives and to respect our husbands the way you designed it uh, to be. So, uh, Lord, we, we love you today. Lord, I just pray that you bless this church and, Lord, bless the rest of this series as we uh, go into the different uh, roles. Thank God this one is done. <laughs> and it's, uh, but Lord, we put this in the pocket and we take it seriously because it is your word. Um, Lord, we love you. We love you. We love you. In Jesus' name. Amen.